What's up, guys? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Rife, recording live in Bali. Anyone who's been following for the last few months or even weeks knows that I've been doing these little travel updates in the beginning of my podcast so you guys can get a real-time look at what's going on over here in Bali and my current eat, pray, love journey. So I'm actually recording this outside in the morning. Hopefully you can hear the birds chirping and some of the bugs. I'm actually in the bathroom area because our entire bathroom is outside. This is something that when I got here, I was like, wow, this is going to be a little weird. Our shower's outside, our bathtub is outside, but it's been so nice that I'm so accustomed to it that now I actually think it's going to be weird when I go home and I have to shower inside in a small confined shower, not in nature. So it's weird how you can adjust to things in basically three weeks. And I'm in the middle of my yoga training, so we're coming to the very end. I have been doing a yoga training that's focused on multi-style. So the first week we learned Hatha yoga, the second week was Ashtanga yoga, and then this week was Vinyasa. So I just did a Vinyasa class where I taught for 30 minutes, and now I have a final in two days about a whole comprehensive exam about yoga, philosophy, anatomy. It's actually quite overwhelming. And then I have to teach an hour class. It's insane how much you can change in three weeks because three weeks ago, we had to teach the same round of, I think, seven or eight poses three times. And that was so scary. I was like, I don't understand how I'm going to suddenly teach an hour class. This is so scary just teaching these three rounds of poses because you have to know the breath to use, when to cue people. If someone's not doing the pose right, you have to actually go over and adjust them. You have to know what body parts to use. You have to know if they have injuries. You have to know if they're comfortable being touched. Like there is so much that goes into teaching that I didn't give enough credit for in the beginning to yoga teachers or really any instructor out there. There is just so much knowledge and they do it with so much grace and poise. You would never even know how much is going on in their mind. So I am being put to the test this week with my final one hour class. So any yogis out there or fitness instructors that have advice, DM me and let me know because I'm a little nervous and I have to put together the whole class. So I'm actually designing it. I have to find the music. I have to figure out what I'm saying in the beginning, in the end. If any of you have been to a yoga class, you know that you don't just go right into it and start. There's usually an opening grounding phase. There's usually a nice shavasana at the end, my favorite pose where you just lay down and basically sleep. But there's always some type of message or theme in the class. So I have to build that this week and I'm not so sure what I'm going to do. I'm thinking of a watery type of theme to have like really cool water themed music, like rain sounds and things like that. But I don't know. I need your ideas. So let me know, people. Other updates include... Today, I am going to another spa day. If you've been listening to my podcast the last two weeks, you know that I have been not holding back on getting massages and anything to do with self-care or even beauty. I have been going crazy because it's so cheap here. So today, I'm going to get a massage, a facial, and a flower bath for, I think, 50 US dollars. And I think it's a 90-minute massage, an hour facial, and then like a 30-minute flower bath. So... It's pretty cheap compared to what you would ever get in the U.S. and it's at a resort. So that's pretty good prices for the place that I'm going to. I'm looking forward to it because I am beat up. I have cuts all over my toes from being on the mat so much. If any of you know what a chaturanga is, when you jump back, your toes basically scrape. It's hard to say scrape because it's a yoga mat, but they basically rub against the, the rubber of the mat 
for so long and we've been doing yoga for about three hours a day that I'm getting all these weird cuts on my foot. I have bruises all over my body. We did a handstand and headstand workshop the other day and partner yoga where it was like kind of like acrobat yoga. And I am so bruised. I have bruises all over my legs. Like it looks like I'm beat up and I didn't even go to a yoga training. So I am looking forward to this massage. The yoga training is getting intense, but like I said, we're in our final two days. And so by this uh, coming up weekend, I will be certified. That is crazy. And if any of you have listened to my other podcasts, if you do ever do a yoga training, make sure it's registered with Yoga Alliance because that's a worldwide recognized um, alliance and organization that if you were to ever go to any yoga studio, pretty much anywhere in the globe, they would accept that certification. So you want to make sure you're investing wisely and looking into schools that are accredited by the Yoga Alliance. Outside of that, I'm going to Changu. That's spelled C-A-N-G-G-U. And I heard it's super chill, surfer, yoga vibes, and I am so looking forward to it. If any of you have been there, let me know. I, I just keep seeing so many cute cafes, acai bowl places, like places to just go out and drink and watch the surfers. I'm so excited because I have been basically in like a yoga villa for the last three weeks. And I know it sounds like it's a retreat, but it's really not. Like I said, if you listen to anything before, we are constantly on the go from 6.30 to 7. I'm not lounging around. You would think I'd be really tan from being outside by the pool. I'm not in the pool. I'm like in a shala doing yoga every day or in my room studying. So I'm not really like lounging around or having a break. I have one day a week that we have off. So this Changu weekend is much needed. And then I will be back in Australia, hopefully finding a job as a yoga instructor and a few other things. But Changu is on the list this weekend. So if you guys have ever been, please DM me recommendations. I'm so looking forward to unplugging from yoga for a minute. <laughs> I'm also getting my first tattoo. I feel like I'm being so millennial right now. Like I quit my job, moved to Bali, became a yoga instructor, got a tattoo. I'm like, is this a Pinterest quote? Like, did I miss anything on the millennial wanderlust checklist? But this is a tattoo that I wanted for a really long time. I actually remember drawing it on myself with a pen when I used to work in Chicago, which was almost two years ago now. So it's not an impulse decision. It's just now I feel like it was the perfect time. Like I have the time, I have the money, I've thought about it and why not get it in Bali? I think that's a pretty cool first tattoo experience. So if you guys have any advice too about getting a first tattoo, let me know because I talked to a few girls here that have them and I was like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? Like don't sleep in white clothes. Make sure even if you're just walking from your car to like a, a store, cover it up so the sun doesn't burn it even for two seconds. And I was like, damn, I thought you just walked in, got it, wrapped it up for a few days and called it a day. So getting a little nervous about that. If you guys again have advice, please let me know. So I think that's really it with the Bali updates. There's not much going on this week because I'm just so focused on this yoga final. And then Changu, I'm kind of just like, let's get there and see what happens. Hit the beach, maybe get a glass of wine or a beer and just completely chill out. So nothing really major to report back on. Today's guest is Savan Ayla Richards. And I know you guys are obsessed with her because I've never gotten so many DMs about a guest. Everyone's obsessed with her baby Capri how she calls her husband Richard, even though his name is Paul, with her home, everything, her jewelry, her piercings, her outfits, her new swimwear line, shop tan lines. I have never seen so many DMs about a guest because we all want to be her. So today you'll actually hear about how she built the life of her dreams 
but it's really realistic. And what I mean by that is she's not one of those people that's like, oh, and then just overnight I was making money and had the house of my dreams and my life just became one big happy rainbow and butterfly movie. That's not how Savant is. And I think that's why a lot of you guys like her. She has this I don't give a fuck attitude, but not in a way of being unapproachable, just in a way of like, no, that's not how things run around here. I'm going to do things my way, but in a way that's reasonable and makes sense. She talks a lot about this on the podcast, and I think you guys will really relate to this, but she is just so authentic, which is something that I love when talking to someone. They tell the real story. So she doesn't say, oh yeah, you know, I just wrote a few blog posts and hired a team, and then all of a sudden I was monetizing. She talks about how she had to transition from her full-time job to become a blogger and influencer, how she has to manage her time now with a new baby that's not even one year old, and now she's working with her husband. So as you can imagine, working with her husband, having a not even one year old child, and doing all the things that you have to do with building a brand like Shop Tan Lines, her actual website, Savant Ayla, running her Instagram, that is a lot of responsibility. And I'm just clueless about how someone like that handles it and how she even got to that point. So she tells us all the nitty gritty details. She's really funny. She's really down to earth. And I think you guys are going to love what she has to say from everything to parenting, motherhood, content creation, running a brand like Shop Tan Lines, actually designing something like that. It's all insane. I'm in awe of how much she works and how much she also makes time for herself too. She makes sure that she has a priority around self-care in her life too. And don't worry, I asked about her skincare routine so we can all have glowy, plump skin like she does. With that, let's dive into today's interview. Okay, guys, I have Savan Ayla here, who is the mastermind behind Shop Tan Lines, which just recently launched, her blog, which is named after her, the mom to baby Capri, <laughs> and wife to Paul slash Richard, yep. which we'll get to. But you were probably one of my most, I would say, exciting reactions to the guests when I posted. People were freaking out, sending me DMs, wanted to know everything, and so we have a lot to cover but before you had all the things we just talked about, me and you were just chatting before this, it sounded like you were in a job you didn't like, probably were creatively stifled. Can you walk us through what you were doing before all this happened? Yeah. First off, I'm so flattered. Yes. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, but yeah, in terms of a uh, career before blog, I had a lot going on. I started in retail. Um, after school, I started in wholesale in downtown LA. And I was doing something that had zero creativity involved in it. So my blog was started purely as a creative outlet for me. I wasn't going into it for money. I did it because I had no creativity at work and I was surrounded by a lot of negative people and energy. <laughs> and I don't want to like talk too much shit about it just because I feel like, you know, I still like, grew from the experience, but it wasn't for me. Um, I got laid off from one of the uh, showrooms I was working in, in wholesale. And I had the decision to make whether I was going to go back into that lifestyle or if I was going to figure out something else. And I didn't know what at the time. And blogging was not an option as a job because I wasn't monetizing. Um, but I decided that I would figure it out, whatever that meant. And I went into creative consulting. So from there, one of my best friends and I started a firm, very small, just her and I. And basically, we took all of our skill sets in the creative space of creating lookbooks, merchandising websites, coming up with concepts for e-commerce. And we reached out to brands through Instagram that needed help creatively and aesthetically. And 
we worked beside them for a couple of years. And that's at the point where I decided I had to veer off of that if I wanted to make my blog work. So there was a point where I think it was around my wedding. So I'd been creative consulting for a couple of years and still doing my blog. And it's obviously a ton of work and a huge time commitment. So I had to decide if I was going to give it my all and abandon everything else I had going on, or if I was going to abandon the blog. And the thought of not blogging just was like miserable to me because I enjoyed it so much. So I let go of the client slowly until I reached, obviously I had to reach a point financially in my blog where it made sense for me to let go of my other work. So once I reached that point, then I made the transition into full-time blogging, but I didn't just abandon my full-time job and hope that I would make money off the blog. Obviously that would be reckless and irresponsible. So definitely didn't do it that way. Okay. So that's a good tip to have. Cause I think people see people like you and yeah. they're like, Oh, I quit my job. So I'm going to quit my job too. And then it's no. like, well, it sounds like you had quite a safety net and like right. really right. built a timeline to get there. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I think there's always like that misconception that you, you decide one day you're going to be a blogger and the next day you're getting paid to be a blogger. That's obviously not how it works. I don't think that works in any industry or field at all. You can't just wake right. up and dub yourself something and then you get paid for it. So, right. um, for me, Paul was in law school. We were boyfriend, girlfriend. We didn't have a huge income. I never even had a savings account until a couple years ago. <laughs> I was reckless. <laughs> um, so it was a huge, huge leap of faith to take huge risk. Um, but I had to obviously get everything in order as far as budget goes, make sure that I knew what I was going to do, make sure I had enough incoming inquiries for brands before I was going to abandon my steady, secure income. So I had to put some thought into it. It wasn't like a rash decision, just like, okay, it's happening and now I'm quitting my job and here we are blogging. So right. definitely not that way. Okay. And then when you started though, blogging wasn't even really a big thing as far as, as big as it is today. Right. So when you started, I know it was a creative outlet. Was there, was there at some point, was it a brand sponsorship or people's feedback or something that you were like, okay, I could do this full time. Like I, this isn't just like a creative outlet anymore. It was a combination of brands reaching out, wanting to pay for, for, um, paid posts and also a combination of people wanting to see more from me. So obviously the more content I produce, the more time I need and, it just wasn't feasible to do that when I'm giving, you know, full-time hours to clients. So it just came to the point where my balance was off and I had to really figure out what change needed to be made. And it had to be my consulting. Otherwise I would never be able to maintain what my viewers wanted. Did you have a vision for what you were going to be talking about right off the bat? Or was it specialized in one field to start out and then it expanded to something bigger. So no, I actually was very much all over the place. Um, I feel like this is actually something that I look back and I pinpoint as a point in my career where it changed things for me is when I decided that I needed to provide value to my readers. So it wasn't going to be me claiming that I'm an expert in so many different fields because first off, I'm not, I was like 23 or 24. Like what the fuck did I actually know about anything at that right. point? You know, like maybe I knew how to like get dressed, but I didn't have experience in buying a home or a good skincare routine and I was broke. Like I, I was very limited in like my knowledge. Right. So it's almost silly when I look back and I think like, Oh, here I am like trying to like tell people what to do. But meanwhile, like I didn't even have my shit together then. So right. it's like once I came to the realization that there's specialized things that I'm good at and I continuously do and it comes natural, it made more sense for me to blog about those categories. So whereas I saw everyone doing outfits and fashion and I felt like, okay, well let me go out and take all these outfit photos and tag them. And that's my job. 
it wasn't first off fulfilling. It wasn't me. And I wasn't doing anything different than everyone else. So I had to start figuring out what categories made sense for my brand and what my audience wanted to see from me. And that's kind of when um, more of like the home styling and lifestyle stuff came into play for me. That's amazing because I think now people want to just still do the like fashion posts and just tag a brand. I'm like, that's fine. But there has to be something different that you're talking yeah. about. Like there has to be some unique, either voice, the way you talk, either it's funny or something, but I, it goes back to that. People just want to do it and then instantly get paid. Right. Can you talk about how long it took you to actually secure your first brand sponsorship? Yeah. So it's funny. Cause I, I think back and I honestly can't pinpoint the brand. And now that you've asked me this, I want to scroll back and like find <laughs> that. But I mean, it took me a long time. I was blogging to absolutely nobody for years. Like maybe my mom and Paul read it and that was it. And the thing is, is I was doing it for myself. I wasn't doing it because I wanted to make money or I wanted to like be this famous blogger. It was literally for the love of, you know, doing, writing my own content and curating it and editing it. And the process to me was so fun. Um, now when I, the whole thing is just really funny. <laughs> I think back to like what I was putting out there and it's almost cringy. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it was years. It wasn't like weeks or months. Yeah, it was definitely years. It was definitely years. You have to have patience. So basically yeah. I think that my content was just very like spread across so many different things because I was young and I really didn't know. Right. So once I started pinpointing things and I like refined my categories more, I feel like which took a good two or three years, I'd say that's more when I started developing a readership because I feel like people knew what they were coming to me for. I think when people um, don't show their face or their voice or they don't specialize in something or when they talk about too many different things, I think you kind of get lost in the mix because there's so many people to follow these days. Right. So you have to just be really like you have to be attentive to what um, what's the word that like. What triggers your audience? Right. You know, like obviously people come to you for specific things. So you have to pay attention and really like respond well to what they're responding to. Otherwise right. you're just putting out content and hoping for the best, like trial and error. Yeah. Like throwing it on a wall and seeing what sticks instead of looking at like, what are people reacting yeah. to? Are people like voting on something in your stories that exactly. you're like, Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. We've got such a great resource with Instagram. People can do a poll. They can DM you. They can put the little question box now. I mean, there's so many different ways to gain information and knowledge from your direct viewers. Like, I don't understand why no one or not why everyone doesn't do that. If right. you're an influencer, you have the perfect resource to find out exactly what they want. And then I feel like then your content doesn't get stale. Your engagement stays up because people are consuming what you're right. putting out because that's what they want. Exactly. What about you started out as a blog and now there is Instagram and there's Instagram stories that popped up and then video became really big. What was your vision when that all started happening? Were you like, I'm going to be on all those platforms or was it slowly like, let's dip into video, let's dip into Instagram, see what's happening because now you almost have to be like multi-platform because yeah. people want to hear your voice, like you said, and then see your face, right. see a pretty picture. Like how was that process in getting all these platforms up? It was definitely tricky for me. I had to do the whole transition of strictly being on a blog, on a website writing, and I treated it like a magazine. And I, I've said it multiple times throughout my career and I actually laugh now because I feel like I've strayed so far from that mindset I'm no longer like curated and edited and editorial. I like to do more real in the moment things because first off, that's easier for me. It's my life. I don't have to try as hard, you know, like it ultimately comes down to not having to try as much, but 
it was tricky because I started the blog, then Instagram came out, and I thought it was an editing app. I didn't me too. Even... <laughs> I posted three pictures of me and this guy, and they were like, Someone goes, you know you've uploaded three pictures of you and that guy on formal? And I was like, I thought I was editing photos. And they're like, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought it was an editing app with, like, the film border. Yes. And, I mean, I think I posted, like, the floor ones because I thought I was just trying out the editing app. Same. So, I mean, I was a little slow to these things. So, same with um, stories. So, first, it was Snapchat. And I was mm-hmm. very late to the game on that. I, I viewed that as, like, this little kid app. It was, like, dirty. And <laughs> I want nothing to do with it. I was like, it's, like, for shady people. And then I started seeing more bloggers I follow use it. And then I started watching it saying, wow, like, this is actually interesting because you're seeing the unedited version of what they're posting on Instagram. Right. So, I was sucked in. So, then I participated in it. And once I started participating in video, it was, like, a game changer for me. Because suddenly people were like... What's that chapstick you're putting on? What's that curtain rod behind you? You know, like what leash are you holding with your dog? I mean, people took notice of everything in my entire little frame. So from there, Instagram stories came about. I transitioned into that. And that was also a game changer. I think once video came into the picture, people started getting more interested because there was more to see. Mm-hmm. Versus like this one little photo, there's so much pressure to make it interesting and captivating. Video, it's like you can see my face, you can see how I sound, or you can hear how I sound, you can see my life. It's just a, a better view into who you are as a person. And I think that adapting to that is super important. But it was hard for me to go from just straight blogging where I can schedule it out, I could sit down and do it from wherever, whenever, doesn't didn't matter. Now you're expected to, you know, upload videos all day long and right, maintain yeah. it and keep it interesting. And so it's, it's tricky. It's, tr- it's, and also like videos, orientations, the edits, the algorithm, everything so there's, it's never ending, never ending like process. I went to school for digital media and one of the courses was video editing. And yeah. I at first loved it. And then we actually started getting into the editing and lighting. And I was like, I have, I completely changed my view on people that do any type of video content because yeah. it took me like five days to edit a one minute <laughs> video that was like actually garbage on iMovie anyways. And I'm like, this is so hard and people do it all the time. Yeah. So I want you to give context into anyone that's thinking about starting this and staying consistent. How much time do you think goes into one blog post? One blog post probably takes a good four hours. Four hours. Um, Probably spread out though, not like straight. I, it goes from obviously like the planning process. You have to figure out, you pick your category, your topic, whatever it is. Then you have to obviously plan whether you have to go out and shoot content, you have to style it in your house. If it's a recipe, I have to obviously go grab resources and ingredients and style it and do it the perfect time of day and do the lighting setup and take the photos, edit the photos, put the posts together, add the copy, add the proper links then promote that post. There's a lot of steps involved in one singular blog post. Same for YouTube and even Instagram. I mean, yeah, what about a, a lot, video? A video? Oh. I mean, oh my gosh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the biggest reason why I don't do as much video as I should is because the editing process of you, you film a video and it takes you like 35 minutes to film a 60 second segment. Then you're sitting there shuffling through all this content. You do the retakes. You have to keep watching. You have to cut it and edit it. And then you have to find the royalty-free music. And then you have to patch it together. And then you've got to adjust the light and the sound and the this. I mean, it's so much. that alone is it's a headache, honestly. Yeah. So video is a whole different animal. But blog posts, even after six or seven years of doing this, it's a solid four hours. So four hours. Video sounds like it takes much longer than four yeah, hours. Yeah. And are you doing this all yourself or at some point did you hire a team to help? 
Um, so I have a graphic designer that helps me. And basically when I do posts that are compiling products, that it doesn't have to have my voice attached to it, I outsource help. Any blog post you read, of any blog post actually, if you read any sort of copy, it's always me. I've never felt comfortable relinquishing that because I think my voice is obviously who I am and my blog is a reflection of me. It's an extension of my life. So it wouldn't make sense for me to outsource that. But as far as graphics go, IG, gra- IG um, stories, graphics, things like that, I feel like I'm now I'm reaching a point where I'm comfortable asking for help. Whereas before, right. no one could come near me with a 10-foot pole because I was so like type A about my content. So. Yeah, it's hard because especially if you're creative, you're like, I can't translate this creative vision no. exactly how I want it. Like I can give you all the tools, but then someone's going to take that and spin it in their way creatively. Right. And then you're like, wait, so I think a big part of that is learning how to provide feedback, which can be tough if you're someone that's a content creator and you want to get it right. So how do you deal with feedback? Like let's say a video editor or photographer like totally misses the mark. If someone's creating a channel and is trying to figure out how to hire a team and get the product they want, how do you provide feedback? It's really hard. You have to be very straightforward. I think that with, when you're creative, obviously everything is subjective and it took me a long time to really understand my own aesthetic. So when people would ask me, you know, what it is you're looking for within a photograph, it's hard to pinpoint it. Cause mm-hmm. how do you describe like what you're seeing in a photo? What mm-hmm. Like, unless it's very easy, black and white or whatever. But for me, it was really, tr- it was really tricky in the beginning. Now I feel like I've found uh, photographers and videographers that like that they understand my style. Mm-hmm. So it's an easier process. I think you just have to be super direct with people. A lot of times you have to go into it with an open mind because obviously people are going to translate your vision differently. But if you don't like it, you need to like nip it in the bud right away and just be like, that's not my style because you're just going to end up creating all this content that's gone to waste. But it's a hard thing. I'm not, I'm a very non-confrontational person. So for me, I get uncomfortable if I have to be like, oh, like, I don't like that actually. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, you're paying for this. It's your time. It's their time. You got to get the job done. So just do it. Right. It's the same thing almost as if you were doing a brand sponsorship and the brand didn't like it. Right. You would hope that they would tell you so that they're not like that post sucked. We didn't like that at all. Yeah, exactly. So it's a weird, it is a weird thing when you're non-confrontational because I'm the same way. And I think what's helped me is saying, almost what I don't like. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, here's a list of no's yes. and here's literally a picture and copy and font things that I literally don't right, like at right. all. And then they're like, Oh, that makes sense. Like now I understand what you meant yeah. by block letters, not this one. I'm like, <laughs> yes, but I'm yes. like, I'm not a designer. So I have to literally show them. I'm like, here's right. five examples of what I think. Yeah. So that I think too. inspiration images is always a good idea. Like a mood board, always mm-hmm. great. When and I, actually now with, with my product lines, if I shoot a campaign or have to do promotional images. I always set up an, a mood board for my photographer just for specific shots and lighting and angles because I don't always want everything to look the same. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's nice to switch it up and elevate things. So for tan lines, for instance, I had a mood board and it was all these images that I sourced from Pinterest. And it was just a little bit different than what my what I'd normally do on my own Instagram. It's a little bit more just elevated and sophisticated and I feel like that was the best way to translate to my photographer exactly what I was looking for. And I think saying the things you don't like also, just to make sure that those are like hard no's, right. <laughs> it's a good idea. I like the Pinterest idea too. When I was yeah. building my brand, I just started pinning images and fonts and things, and then we finally narrowed it down. So Pinterest is free and takes two seconds to exactly. pin stuff. So that's a really easy way to get yes. your feedback across. Where do you draw inspiration from? Because I love your aesthetic. Like where did this creative 
ideas come from? Where do you get inspiration? I would love to hear more about that. Thanks. Um, Pinterest is a huge source of inspiration for me. I've always been a huge Pinterest fan. Um, I think that I spend at least one day a week on Pinterest, just kind of scouring what's out there and saving things. And I always have secret boards because if I see something that sparks inspiration and I'm not quite ready to like announce it to the world or integrate it into my branding for for any reason, then I just save it for a secret board for later. Um, but Instagram also is great. I think that the explore page Mm -hmm. has been like better than anything because it obviously knows what you're looking at. So it makes those suggestions and the save tools. Awesome. So between Pinterest and Instagram, I get a lot of inspiration. I would love to tell you that I like am inspired by my travels and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like, honestly, it doesn't relate to my life. Like it's, that's like my luxurious downtime. Mm -hmm. That's not really anything that I'm bringing into my, my business. Yeah. Um, I am very much inspired by architecture in my travels, but I I can't like lie and say that I'm inspired by like going to the beach and looking at the sunset. So I appreciate that honesty (laughs) because I feel like that's where a lot of people are like traveling and this and that. And I'm like, I like that it's literally just Pinterest and Instagram, which are free platforms that people post amazing content and you can get down a deep rabbit hole and be like, Whoa, I didn't even know this type of aesthetic existed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What about tan lines? This is a brand new swimwear line that just launched. I can't even begin to imagine the amount of work that goes into creating a product just based on what I had to do to create like a logo. (laughs) I was like, this is a lot of back and forth. Like, let's start with where the idea even came from. Um, well, it was the next natural step for me in my career. I feel like as an influencer, a blogger, I want to create longevity in my career and, I don't view myself as being an Instagrammer or whatever you want to call it. You know, that's not my end game. I think that for me, I wanted to build something tangible and physical that people can connect with me in real life. And that's through a product. Obviously I'm one person. I can't physically be available to everyone that follows me, but I think if you buy into my lifestyle and buy into my brand, you can buy into my product and it's a reflection and extension of me. So it made sense for me to do swim. I've always, uh, worn swim throughout all my traveling. I do love to travel. Don't get me wrong, but I'm typically in a bikini when I travel because I love tropical destinations and the beach. And so that made sense to me. I've done active as a collab and that was a nice way for me to test the waters and see, you know, what my audience likes for me. And active is definitely something that I plan to do as again on my own, but for right now, swim just felt like the perfect category for me to integrate in the kids line as well. So after having Capri, it was time for me to make a decision. And I went with swim. I felt like it just, summer was coming up and I needed to do it for that and just bite the bullet and do it and see, you know, what stuck essentially. So, um, I went with it. I got the, the idea to, um, have it be like my aesthetic in form of swim. So the color palettes and everything, the site, everything just translated based off of my aesthetic. And I felt like it just felt right and it felt natural and it wasn't forced. And so I went with it. The name tan lines came from the nail polish that I did in 2017 with NCLA. So one of the colors is called tan lines. I obviously love to be tan right? and I personally find tan lines to be very sexy. Just like it's a sign of living Mm -hmm. a good time in the sun. Like it's just, I don't know. I love tan lines. So that was the name. And then everything else just, it came natural. Like everything, when you find like the right things, I feel like everything falls into place so naturally and easily. And that's when you know it's just meant to be and it's perfect. So, I mean, the kids part of it was tricky because I 
had never really had an interest in kids, anything right. until I had a baby. <laughs> so at first I was like, what am I doing? This is so not me. And then I see Capri and I'm like, well, we're going on a trip and there's nothing cute for you to wear. So here we go. Like, right. let's create you a swim line. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so now it's, it is a kids and adult swim line. Yeah. So there's, um, two styles and they come, each one comes in two colorways that tie into the adult suits. So you Got could it. do like a mommy and me matching moment, but you don't have to, obviously everything mixes and matches nicely. Mm-hmm. So it, like it's cohesive, but it doesn't have to be like super matchy matchy. Right. I also didn't want the kids suits to be your typical, like roughly sparkly like princess outfit right so that was another reason I felt like there was a gap in that whole industry of kids swim mm-hmm. so it was a lot of things combined that like really pushed me to do the kids but the process of creating swim is honestly insane there's so much back and forth there's so many logistics and there's so many bumps along the road that mm-hmm. obviously you don't share that as you're developing your product because mm-hmm. first off everything's under wraps so you're not talking about it yet but it's just crazy I mean I had never endured so much stress than I had leading up to the launch of tan lines, but it was worth it because obviously people loved it and I was so happy with the response. It was like a huge relief for me when we launched. And didn't you guys sell out like immediately? Yeah. So we sold out in three minutes. Wow. And then I know it's (laughs) honestly unreal. It's not at all what I expected, but, um, we re we did the restock for the pre-sale an hour and a half later and we sold out in eight minutes. Wow. So all together, 11 minutes, we sold out of everything and I'm still getting like harassed. Like oh, I had it in my car and I just feel so bad. So we're working on perfecting the system. Obviously right. the first drop, we're going to have mistakes and errors and things to learn. So right. we're hoping second drop will be a lot smoother. When is the second drop coming? Um, I am not a hundred percent sure yet, but we're working on it and we're hoping before the end of the year. That'd be awesome. But I'm like just baffled because you have a, didn't you just like also renovate your home? Yeah. A lot of renovations. So you did a lot of renovations. You just had a baby. That's, she's not even one yet. Is she? No, she's 10 months. She's 10 months. And then you have your content creation. It takes four hours to create a blog post. Like what does your calendar look like? Like, do you have an assistant? Did you, do you make, it sounds like you do a lot of stuff yourself still though. Like I would love to hear about your organization. Yeah. I I've had assistants in the past. I've come to the realization that I do not know how to manage people. So that's one of my weaknesses. And I'm trying to get better at that because I do need an assistant. Like it's an actual need at this point, but I don't deserve an assistant. (laughs) I think we all need assistance, whether it's virtual, your little sister. Yes. yes. In some capacity, yes. But basically, um, because I don't know how to manage people, it comes down to me not wanting to be a micromanager. I don't like to micromanage and I don't like to repeat myself. So mm-hmm. when I had assistance, I always wanted them to basically like um, know what my needs were before I needed them. And it was things that I had like explained prior, but I didn't make it clear that like, I need you to like anticipate my needs basically. Mm -hmm. So I was getting a lot of mixed signals and miscommunications and it just wasn't working out for me to have an assistant in my house waiting for me to tell them what to do. So Mm -hmm. I decided I'm not going to have an assistant for a while. I need to figure out exactly like down to like the hour of the day, what I need, because if someone works for me for eight hours in the day, they need to be you know, right. doing something and I eight hours. Yeah. And I don't want to have to sit there every hour and tell you what to do. So mm-hmm. I just at this point, I've decided not to have an assistant until I can get my act together in that regard. But I have a management team. And so they facilitate all of my uh, brand partnerships and collaborations. And so I talk with them seven days a week 
we have a really great open relationship where we constantly are in communications and they're very hardworking, invested people. And I'm so grateful for them. I think that I've been with them now for two and a half years and they're just unbelievably hardworking people. So I'm very grateful for that. They keep me organized. They keep my calendar organized as far as partnerships go. Um, as I mentioned, I have a graphic designer, so she helps me keep on top of my weekly graphics and products that I'm sharing. And then I have one girl that I work with that's actually not even in LA. We've never even met in person. It's unreal, but she helps me with strategy. So we kind of keep my my content calendar in in order. Um, she picks up on things that other people are really interested in via like comments or my Facebook community page or whatever it might be. And she'll shoot me an email being like, Hey, like people really want to know what you're doing to help you unwind at night before, you know, you go to bed or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she kind of helps me like keep in a direction because I can be all over the place. I'm very ADD and like as a creative, it's hard for me to focus sometimes. So she really like hones in on like what people really want and, gives me like a list essentially of topics that I should really be focusing on. And then from there I can take on and do all my creative stuff. But I mean, it takes a village and Paul, my husband is my attorney. So yeah, he, he's been present since day one, obviously, but I mean, he, his involvement is also really crucial. He just really understands my audience, I think. And he will sometimes tell me, you know, I think that you need to do more of this or less of that or whatever. And he kind of helps me, helps guide me a little bit. Um, but for the most part, like you said, like I like to do things in the moment because it's more real and raw. So I try not to overthink on that stuff, mm-hmm. but it, it's hard not to sometimes, you know, right. you see like what's going on with all these changes and all these different platforms to keep up with. And you have to have somewhat of an organized system. Otherwise you're going to get lost and you're going to be all over the place and you have to have some sort of like linear storyline going at right. all times. So. Yeah. That's something that I'm learning the hard way too. I'm like, we'll yeah. just figure it out next week. And now I'm like, oh, it's next week. And we haven't yes. figured it out. So yes. I need some type of like calendar block or reminder yeah. or someone being like, you owe me this by Monday at 5 PM or else I'm like, wait, I changed my mind. Now I want to talk about this and this. And it's like, exactly. okay, why did you just flip flop? And I'm like, I need someone to like, hold me accountable in that regard. A hundred percent. It's pretty difficult, but it helps keep us on track. Yeah. I like that. I like when people have no issues telling me like where I fucked up or where I need to like be better because it's just hard. It's like you're your own boss. Any self-employed person deals with this. I'm sure like you have to be disciplined and responsible and focused and it's hard sometimes, especially when you're working from home and throw a baby in the mix and all you want to do is spend time with the baby and then you're home. So you want to redecorate your room. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you get sidetracked. So I have a calendar at home, like a physical large ass acrylic calendar. I write everything out that's due with deadlines in bold. Like it's all there for me to see in my face. It's in my phone, in my calendar. I have a notebook that I carry around with me. I mean, it needs to just be in my face at all times. It needs to be like flashing. Like this is due right now. Yeah. Calendar alerts, yes. text messages. I got them all. Do you make alarms? I'm, I'm a big alarm person. I don't do well with alarms because my body becomes like accustomed to it. Oh. And then I swipe away and I don't even look. Oh, you're like, mm, it doesn't matter. I don't know why. I know it's important. Yeah. I should read it, but it's like, I think I have too many alarms to right. the point where it's like, it's oh, like, this one's a bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like I need something a little bit more serious, like in your face. If mm-hmm. someone knows of a good app or a calendar yeah. alert, like let me know because I swipe away too quickly on my calendar. Alerts. Yeah. What about balancing time with your baby and your husband? It, it's a, sounds nice that he works with you, but I imagine that's hard too, which we can get to in a second. But do you block off time for your family or do you just say like, this is non-negotiable. I'm taking Saturday off. It's family day. Like, how does that work? 
So for the most part, I like to cut my workday off at five. And from that point on, whoever's watching Capri that day, and it's all family at this point. So it's like my mom, my mother-in-law, my sisters, everyone has a day. Mm-hmm. And so at 5 p.m., everyone goes home. Whoever's watching her that day, I take over. And then I get like a good two hours with her before she goes to bed. And we do our nighttime routine. Um, by that point, Paul comes home. We read her bedtime stories, put her to bed together. I cook dinner. And then Paul and I spend time together, like decompressing, talking about our day. Um, so I'd say from Monday through Friday, 5 PM onwards is my family time. And then on the weekends, it's usually family time unless I have like a, an event to attend or some sort of work thing that I have to do. But I try not to work on the weekends or holidays. I mean, I'm flexible obviously, but I try to stick to somewhat of a schedule because obviously from what, with what I do, you Mm -hmm. can be, you have to be on 24 seven. So there's, you got to find a balance. It's really, but it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I I literally can't imagine, like I just quit my job. I have nothing to do. And I'm still like running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I'm like, how is this possible? I don't even have work anymore. (laughs) Like, what am I doing? I I have free time every day and I'm still like running around, but with Paul slash Richard, can you tell us the story behind that double (laughs) name? (laughs) Yes. So it started in Fiji like a couple years ago. Um, our last name is Richards with an S and a lot of times, like when you fill out paperwork, like at, do- at the doctor's office or a contract or whatever, people's eye just goes to the Richards part. And so they automatically in their mind twist it and think that that's his first name, Richard. Mm-hmm. So it's been his pet peeve for years. So he hates when people call him Richard. So when we were in Fiji, we we're getting ready to go to dinner or something. And he was not paying attention to me. He was like on his phone. And I was like, come on, let's go. And he just wasn't budging. He just was so immersed in his phone. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, Paul, Paul, Paul. And then I was like, Richard. And he looked up. He's like, don't fucking call me Richard. I was like, oh, I got you. Like, like, oh, figured it out. So figured it out. That triggered him. And then it turned into this whole thing on Instagram where people wanted to call him Richard. And now he like loves it. So I sort of hate it because now he likes it. So (laughs) So he's Paul slash Richard. And now do you, does one name get called out when you're like angry? Yeah. Okay. It's his alter ego. So Richard is when he's like being a dick which is I didn't know Richard meant dick so it's funny people thought that's why I call him that oh my god it's not it's because that's his pet peeve because of our last name so when he's either being a dick or he's not paying attention or he's like you know lecturing me too much or whatever in my business then he's Richard he's Richard but on like a normal day when he's chill and normal he's Paul okay so So I love that you guys said my mom and dad have this and when, when my dad like drinks too much and is getting like a little weird, my mom calls him Shane. Oh my God. And then when she gets crazy, she calls herself like Laquisha or something. And so it's Shane and Laquisha. I was like, wow, power couple name. Like, it's amazing. What is that? It's I'm amazing. Like, everyone has a little alter ego. Yeah, 100%. Where did the name Capri come from? Because that's the first time I've heard it and I'm obsessed. So the island of Capri in Italy, right. um, that's our favorite place on earth. We went there for our one year wedding anniversary. And I, it had been like on my bucket list for years. And, um, at the time it had been a very like obscure location. Not many people had been posting about it on social media at all. And so Paul had to research before every vlogger in the world had gone, right? how to get there, like what route made sense, the ferry system, the train, the, this, that we had to do it all from scratch. And he was like, this is so much fucking work to get here. Like this better be some amazing place. And I was like, Oh shit, that's a lot of pressure. I don't know. I've never been, but like I was dying to go. So we go and we fell in love immediately. Like it was just 
Like I, I remember walking through the streets, like snapping or storing or whatever I was doing. It's just like an awe. Like I cannot believe I'm physically in this place where I've, I have books on it, slim errands, like all these things going through my mind. Like I could not believe I was there. And just the feeling that we got being there and the Fontalina beach club and the restaurant and the lemon restaurant and everything about it was just so magical to us. Like we were so happy. It was like, that was like our club nine. So we were actually there. So this was, um, three years ago and Paul and I were like hanging out on some beach and probably drunk. And <laughs> we're like, if we ever have a daughter, we're naming her Capri. This oh is my like God. cutest name, cutest place, like just brings back good memories. And so we had, we found out I was pregnant Paul wanted a boy, but he was like secretly so happy it was a girl because he's like, we needed to use that name before it like got out. Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> perfect. It's, okay, so my friend uh, religiously follows you, and apparently she said she thought of the name Capri before you had your baby, and I was like, you oh, know, though, no. she she came out with it now, so now it looks like you copied her. So yeah, and Kobe she, Bryant just named his kid Capri. Oh my god. So I'm like, now that's like the new name. Like yeah. you said, it's like, uh, I feel like there's a new shift in travel every year. It's like, Tulum, Bali. Mykonos, Bali, Iceland. Like, everyone yeah. was in Iceland yeah. last year. And then yeah. it's, like, Capri, Positano. Yes. Like, it's, like, what well, I don't know what the next one is. But I'm, like, it is weird how everyone goes. I was, like, is everyone in Croatia? Like, what? Yeah. Is every blogger it's, just touching down there? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it goes, like, in the trends, whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, I still love it. I went there. This is my third summer in a row going. Oh, my gosh. I just took my sisters. And I still feel the same way. Even though it's very, okay. like, touristy now. And there's tons and tons of people. You have to do it right. And stay long enough to like get those patches of the day where mm-hmm. there's not a million people because th- those times do exist, but you right. have to stay long enough to experience that. Otherwise it does kind of feel like you're on like the Santa Monica pier and you're like, right. what the fuck is this? Like yeah, millions like, of people. Like, yeah. I'm not here to like no. snap a thousand pictures with a bunch of tourists. No, no, no. So it's, it's one of those places where I feel like you just have to like spend the time there. What about working with your husband? Because I imagine that can be difficult, but at the same time, it's not like you two are both creatives. Like right. he does the law side of things. So it's yeah. like, you probably aren't like, wow, I love reading contracts. So <laughs> how does it work with you two? Um, so yeah, he, he has a full-time job. He's an entertainment attorney, so he doesn't work at home. He, he works from home a, co- a couple days, but he mostly is out of the house, which is nice because it gives us an opportunity to go our separate ways, come back at the end of the day and like talk about our day. And we each have a different thing we can bring to the table, which is nice. But working together is definitely tricky. Even the things that we do overlap on because he's my husband. So he feels very comfortable. And if I don't agree with something, he has no issues getting into it with me. And obviously if he was dealing with a client that wasn't his wife, he would be polite and he would go about it differently. So sometimes it's frustrating because he goes into Richard mode with me, like from zero to 60. Whereas if I was a normal client, obviously he would have to behave himself. So that can be a little difficult sometimes because I'm also very stubborn when I like something and I want it, it needs to happen. So if it means that he has to bend over backwards legally to do something, it's like, I want you to do that. I don't Mm -hmm. care. I want you to do it. So sometimes we butt heads in that department, but for the most part, he knows his place and I know my place and I trust him. I value his opinion. He's a very smart guy. So on the business side of things, I turn to him a lot. I'd say we make every single business decision together creatively. I don't ask for permission. I just go ahead and do it. But he also trusts me and knows that at the end of the day, it's my vision and Ultimately, my following wants to see what I am producing, not what Paul's producing. Right. So we let him stick to the, like the back end of things and the legal side of things and the business side of things. And I do all the creative. 
Now with Capri here, I imagine you wanted to share content about her and motherhood and everything like that. What's the biggest learning lesson or what's like really changed since you've had the baby? It's been hard. So I, when I was pregnant, I didn't know if I would share as much of her because personally I get bored watching kids on Instagram. So I, in my head, I was like, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to show her. It's going to be boring to my followers. Plus a lot of people that follow me are young. So I felt like they're not going to relate if I'm showing a baby. And I was terrified that they're going to all unfollow me because I'm like this old woman with a baby now. (laughs) (laughs) But I learned very quickly that people love Capri, which I'm so happy and they want to see more of her. And it's tricky because like I said, I spend most of my day working and I'm not really like in her face with her all day. So Every now and then I'll take a break and I'll go and I'll snap her eating something cute or doing something adorable, but it's hard to capture the Capri content because I'm not really standing with her all day long. So that's been a hard balance. So I I think on the weekends you'll get more of her for sure because it's just Paul and I with her all weekend. So I guess that's our balance is it's weekend is Capri content and the rest of the week is not for the most part. And I mean... The balance of working and motherhood, that's a whole thing in itself. Like, I don't necessarily feel guilty, but I do feel like I'm drowning a lot because Mm -hmm. you want to spend time with your kid, but you have a lot of things to get done and you don't want to take away from one or the other. You want to give everything 100% and you just actually can't. So you have to really separate those two things and kind of treat them as separate parts of your day and tackle one thing at a time and make sure that you're happy in both areas and obviously families have priorities. So I have to do whatever is best for Capri and I, I do prioritize that, but it's just been a struggle to figure out how to go about my days with events and coming out to do podcasts and meetings when I have a baby at home that I so desperately want to spend time with. Right. So it's, it's hard. What about when... When she came, I imagine, well, this is actually even before she came about, you're constantly, like you just said, posting in real time on Instagram stories, showing grocery hauls, yeah. showing your house. Like, I, I think we think everyone's always on their phone. Mm-hmm. Did that ever become an issue in your relationship? Like, was Paul ever like, well, we need to take a break. Like, you don't need to be sharing every detail of our lives. Or did you guys have a conversation and you're like, this is my livelihood, so I'm going right. to be sharing everything. Well, We had to have a couple conversations because obviously what Paul does, he, he's a lawyer. And so, you know, if his clients are watching every move and him in his underwear, it makes them uncomfortable Mm -hmm. sometimes. So there's a line and I I have to respect that. But for the most part, it's actually the opposite. He's telling me to do more. Mm. So I personally value our quality time with no phones, not necessarily just Instagram, just texting and looking things up online. He loves to research. He can get lost checking like a new trash can for four hours. <laughs> and I'm like, Typical guy. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's Saturday. Like don't do this right now. And that's, that's like more the phone time that like that we get into it about is, is more like that random, like mindless stuff. It's mm-hmm. not so much social media. I think social media, I don't know if there was ever a period of time where we felt like we were sharing too much or too little, but it was always like part of what we did. I don't know. It just seemed mm-hmm. like a natural thing for us. We're not bothered by it. It's more limiting the other phone time because yeah, I have to be on my phone all the time for social media and for what I do. So it's like the rest of the time when we don't have to be on the phone, let's not be on the phone. And I'm really strict about that. Like at dinner time when mm-hmm. I cook and I've slaved over the kitchen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, your ass off. yeah, I'm like, you don't need to be emailing this moment, like right. finish doing your food. And then like in 10 minutes, go email. Right. So we, we like to check each other every now and then, but I think to answer your question about Paul, he actually like encourages me to do more. He wants 
me to share everything. And sometimes I'm like, okay, no, 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 yeah. that's fine. We can cut it off there. You're like, let's take so. a break. Like it's my site. <laughs> yeah, that too. But he loves to share detail. Like we told a story the other day that literally went on to like 43 slides. Oh my gosh. Wait, was it the one about the robbery? Yes. I was dying. Cause my, <laughs> I have a friend that does the same thing. And I always, my mom actually tells, she's going to get mad. I said this, but she tells long stories and she'll be like, and then we ran into that couple, you know, that couple from 2013 oh when we went to God. Christmas. Yes. Christmas. And yes. I'm like, what? We just went on 45 tangents. Yes, like, it's not necessary. The, the people listening don't need to know those details. Like, right. It doesn't mean anything to them. And it's like boring and it lengthens the story and you feel so like you're funny. talking to your dad. <laughs> like, and I, and he is dad, like he's dad, dad jokes. He's always been like that. Right. So like, I can't say that's not like naturally him, but I'm always like, okay, get on with it. Like we don't need to have this many st- stories of one story. Right. Like, I, I was dying at your reactions. You're like, Let, okay, let's go. And then you yeah. go, okay, okay. Back to the story. You're like, oh my God. The details like let's keep it moving i was crying i was like this is just i don't i was just like watching your reactions to him versus the story because yeah, i was still listening yeah. to the story but i'm like i'm dying and she's like let's keep it moving yeah it's so he, funny he can go on for days that's hilarious what about when you launch tan lines launch the blog launch video anything there's usually some criticism or not people just don't understand like well why would you do video if you're not like full-blown YouTuber or why are you going to launch a swimmer line if you have no background in retail development? Like, did you have any criticisms about those and how did you handle that? I actually haven't received any kind of criticism like that. I think that in today's day and age, I feel like anyone can do anything they want. And with the platform of Instagram and a blog and YouTube or whatever channel it is you're really focusing on, I think that if you have the audience, the next natural step is to do something, you know, tangible. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, especially like, like I said, I want longevity in my career. And did I ever think that I would be a quote unquote designer? No. And I don't call myself a designer. I just know what I like. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's things that I would purchase and there's things that I have purchased that either I didn't like something about it, or I feel like I could make it better. And so that is ultimately the inspiration behind everything I create. So whether it's the nail polish collection, the activewear, the swim, I actually have one other product I'm working on that hasn't been announced yet. Everything I've created has stemmed from me liking something, but feeling like something was missing mm-hmm. or I could have done it better. And so instead of searching and, you know, racking my brain for ways like brands to purchase, I'm like, wait, let me just do it myself. Right. And I feel like, you know, I, I like my aesthetic and I feel like I could just put it all under my, my brand and why not? People obviously enjoyed it. So I'm going to keep going with it. So whether people criticize me or not, it doesn't bother me. I right. think that I clearly know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I think that it's not going to appeal to everyone and I'm fine with that. I've never even gone into it with the idea that I'm going to appeal to everybody. It doesn't even make any sense. Right. It's never been like an expectation of mine, but you kind of have to have a little bit of like sense of reality in that department. You can't please everybody right. ever. So what about negative comments? Because you actually address this in your blog about having like that. I don't give a fuck attitude, yeah. which some people think is, Oh, she doesn't care about anyone or anything. You're like, that's not true. Can you right. elaborate on that blog post? Yeah. So the, I don't give a fuck attitude is funny because like you said, so many people think it's me literally not caring about anything. And it's not the case at all. It's so far from the truth. Obviously I have many, many things I care about in life and most things, but it's just more about being confident in your choices and what you're doing and staying in your own lane. So if people want to judge me or give me their opinion, like I value others' opinions and I take everything into consideration. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't fit into what I believe or what I want, 
I might not listen. And mm-hmm. that's, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay. Like letting people know that that as well. So like, for instance, my management team, they know that if I like something and they try to convince me otherwise, it's probably not going to happen. Same with Paul. It doesn't really matter who you are. I value these people's opinions are very smart, educated people, but if it doesn't align with my vision and my, whatever my decision is, I'm not going to go with it. So basically for me, it just means like standing by what I believe in and not caring what other people think. So if I look like shit, I don't care that I look like shit. Like this is me in real, in real life and right. I'm just going to own it and, and not feel bad about it or anything like that. I think that, I don't know, it, it's hard to like give it a definition. I think it's, it's one of those things where it's like young people like attitude, but right. <laughs> like it's just a term that popped up and like, Oh, give zero fucks. I don't give a fuck. But it's yeah. like, I feel like that has a negative connotation. Like, it does. Oh, she just like literally lives in her own world and doesn't give a shit about anyone. Right. And that's not the truth. No, it's just like, if people want to judge me for the decisions and choices I'm making, that's on them. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But at the end of the day, I make well thought out decisions. I don't just like act carelessly and mindlessly about things. So mm-hmm. for instance, parenting, people are like, Oh, she cusses in front of her kid. You know, what a terrible mother. And it's like, okay, well, that comment means nothing to me. And it went in one year out the other. I don't care that you're saying this to me because I know that I treat my kid, you know, I take care of her. She's my priority. She's treated like royalty. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm not offended by that. Basically, it's also not being offended. Mm -hmm. I don't get offended easily. I have very thick skin. When you put your life out for the world to see, you're going to get negative Mm -hmm. comments every now and then. And I'm just... It doesn't phase me, which is part of the I don't give a fuck attitude. Right. So if you want to like criticize me, it's fine. Criticize me. Sometimes they might have a point and mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, well, you could still give me your constructive criticism and I'm not going to go cry about it. Right. But like, okay, I'll take it into, into accountability for the next time. Right. But I think a lot of people feel like when they get a negative comment, it's, it's an insecurity. It's they're mm-hmm. hitting an insecurity or a weak point and they react to it. Whereas I don't react to things like that. When it's like a, when it's coming from like a negative place and I can sense that you're just an unhappy person, right. it's not phasing me. Right. You're just someone that's like constantly commenting negative on people's stuff. Yeah. It's like, like the trolls, yeah. like the trolls. No, that does not phase me. Like you can come at me all day long. You can attack whatever you want. It's, it's not going to phase me. It's when people that I value your opinions come at me with constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then it's a different story. Right. And like, I'll respect you and we'll give you the time of day and I'll, I'll put that into it. But when people just want to attack for the sake of being mean and bullying, no. What I about, were you always like that before you started the site or did it come about like building a site and you're like, okay, if I'm going to share this lifestyle, I have to be ready for what's going to come back. I had to develop a thick skin once I was putting myself out there on social media. But prior to that, like in high school, let's just say like, no, I didn't always have this attitude. I feel like I did feel judged a lot. Um, I'm definitely like an introvert. I don't, I'm not like a super like loud person in, in social settings. I have social anxiety. I'm pretty antisocial for the most part. And so in high school, I think that, you know, that meme, that's like you, people like think that you're a bitch and you're cold, but really you just have social anxiety right. and like yeah. whatever. So that was me. And so like a lot of people in high school judged me and they always thought I was like really cold and bitchy, but like, really, I was just like a shy girl that didn't really like relate to people. Right. I was also a really good girl. Like I wasn't down to go do a beer pong right. or do a beer bong or whatever the fuck you yeah. call it. Like I wasn't like doing those things. So like I was judged for that, but like 
I also didn't care. Mm -hmm. So like I, it registered to me, like I was aware of it. And sometimes I was like, this is like fucked up that people like are like that. Mm -hmm. But I also didn't have like the social intelligence to like put two and two together and Mm -hmm. realize that that's what was going on. Mm -hmm. But like, I didn't care. I was still super happy with like what I had and the friends I had and the relationships I had. I wasn't like going home crying about it, but I also was confused by it. So I feel like as I get older, I really am fascinated by the way people think and just the way the mind works and people's reactions. And now it's something that I actually like really enjoy, like Mm -hmm. thinking of like, why did someone react to me this way? Or why did I react this way? And it's just become this like ongoing thing with me where I'm just trying to figure it out. So it started off with, um, not caring what people, how they judged me. Mm-hmm. And then now it's turned into like a whole other like attitude, I guess yeah. you can call it because I have to have thick skin. I have to not care and I have to be, be able to accept judgment and not be phased by it. Yeah. I like that you said you like to look at it now. as like, wow, I wonder why they're thinking that instead of being like, Oh fuck this person, like right. whatever. It's like, sometimes if you get triggered by something, it is because you're like, Oh shit, that is true about me. Or like, yeah. I do believe them or like whatever the case may be. But totally. something you just mentioned, which is interesting is that you had social anxiety or you still have it and that you like to be more introverted or that's your nature. But I feel like a lot of people think bloggers are like always at networking events, always on about, always at dinners, always like constantly jet setting. And I'm like, that sounds exhausting. Like what does a day in your life look like? Oh my God. Well, just to really quickly paint you a picture (laughs) of like what it was like when I was first starting out getting invited to these things, you have no idea the kind of anxiety I had being like, what do these girls talk about? Do they know each other? How does it happen? Do we talk? Do we not talk? Like, am I supposed to pretend I know you because I follow you? Do I not? Oh God, do I, I say hi? That was like a death for me. That was like torture. Cause How did you deal with it? I mean, I just went. Like, I had to suck it up. This was also back when I had like 20,000 followers and I really didn't, I couldn't afford to like stay home because I was scared. You know, right. I had to put myself out there. I was terrified. So I went and I recognized a person who actually happens to be one of my good friends now, Sophie Elkis. Mm. And so I ran into her. This is like a couple events later, not like my first one ever. But right. um, I went up to her and I was just like, hey, I follow you. And she was so nice to me. Like, oh, I follow you too. And we connected on some level and we stayed friends for life. And now we go to events together. And like, obviously I'm, I've made a ton of friends in this industry now, but like, all it took was one person to just make me feel comfortable. And then it kind of like took the edge off of going to events. So that was how I overcame that. But I definitely had no system or like nothing like in, in my mind that was going to make it good. I just right. knew I was going to have to go deal with it, suck oh it up gosh. and deal with it. And it was awful. And like me walking in there, I was like, Oh my God, like, how is this going to be? But you just find someone who's nice and smiles back and you're good. And you're good to go. Yeah. What's something that people don't know about the industry? Because again, what we see on social media tends to be very curated and we think everyone's living their best life 24 seven day to night. And I think that's why people want to start creating channels. And like you said, instantly getting paid so they can live this lifestyle. But can you break down like what's the real behind the scenes? I mean, there's so much, obviously, from content creation to planning that is its own category of things you have to do, but it's, there's a lot. I mean, as far as like getting started or. Yeah, like just if someone wants to get started and then they're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to get started. What's, they think, oh, I just have to write a blog post and like take some pics. But then it's also like, well, you, let's think of like brand sponsorships. You have to have a legal team looking at the sponsorships, like exclusivity. Um, partnerships that are competitors, like all these different things. Like what are some things that people might not know that you were surprised maybe when you started monetizing that you're like, what? 
Yeah. Well, aside from the content creation, you definitely have to be educated as far as, like you just said, like usage rights and the contracts and terms and um, exclusivity and all these things. I had no idea that was a thing. You know, it's it's like you get these very serious legal documents and it still goes over my head. I don't read them. Paul mm-hmm. reads them for me. <laughs> and then he reads them back to me. And I mean, I, I just, my attention span is like non-existent, <laughs> but I mean, there's a ton of things like that that people don't see. So there's, there's that there's, um, you know, obviously trademarking your name and there's domain names and there's maintenance on your sites and there's tons of editing apps. And there's just, once you develop your process, there's just so much to it and it's never ending. You can keep growing it and it's, you can make it complex or you can make it really simple. I try to simplify my process as much as I can, but to get started, you really just have to go and do Mm -hmm. it. You can't like wait and like plan too much. You have to obviously get your site up, fill it with good content And then from there, growing is a whole beast in itself. Like Mm. you have to have a voice, you have to have value, you have to cross promote, you have to network, you have to put yourself out there, you have to be consistent, you have to have something special. And when I say special, I just mean something to differentiate you, whether it's a specialty or whatever, something that just is going to make you stand out. Right. But I just feel like too much thinking and planning is like, you're going to sit still. You just got to go and do it. Right. I talked about this on my podcast. It took me a year to start it. Cause I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have the best sound editor in the United States. I'm going to have the best <laughs> equipment. I'm going to have the best logo. And then I was like, I was at a full-time job and it was partying like every single weekend. Yeah. So I was like, when are you going to evaluate all these best in class people? Because <laughs> you're not even like sober half yeah. the time. Yeah. So what are you doing? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, now I'm ready okay, but wait, no, I don't have a website. So I obviously can't launch if I don't have a website. And then it was just so hindering that looking back, I'm like, wow, if I would have launched a year prior, I could have been one year ahead than where I am today. But I just said to fix it. I mean, we were talking before this, like most of my early podcasts were done on voice memo (laughs) because to me it sounded better than a mic and I was too cheap to buy microphones. And it works. And now people are like, oh no, I listen. And I'm like, I haven't heard, had one person reach out about like sound quality. And that was my biggest like fear was like, I'm going to have one shitty sounding episode and people are going to stop listening. So looking back, is there like a learning lesson or something that I don't like to say like a mistake? Cause I feel like you do learn from it, but like looking back there, you're like, wow, that either really changed the path (laughs) of my career. Like I shouldn't have done that. Um, I think that not to say that it was a mistake, but I think that if I didn't make a change, I would have remained in one place and it wouldn't, I wouldn't have grown is just not providing value to my readers. So thinking that I could just go about talking about whatever it is I want to talk about and not really being educated in the matter, having experience, I think providing value is ultimately like the underlying message that every single person has to have mm-hmm. because you have too many people to follow too many options. So if you're not providing some of value or entertainment, at least it's like, I'm bored. I'm clicking next. I'm muting you or I'm following you. And mm-hmm. that's, that's that. So I hate to say to stay relevant, but to stay relevant and growing and keep the momentum going, like you just have to provide value. You have to have a voice. You have to communicate something. I feel like you have to, um, show your face. I feel like when I watch stories and I'm seeing someone just post pretty pictures or just boomerangs or whatever, I'm bored. I'm mm-hmm. next. I'm nexting you or I'm muting you. You know, like I can't, I need to like be captivated. Right. So 
I think that the biggest mistake I made was just trying to be too many things. Mm -hmm. I'm not like sticking to my lane. Right. I like that you are bringing up like bringing in your face and video and things like that. Cause that's something that I have this like insecurity around is like, do I want to start posting Instagram story videos? But I'm like, all the people that I watch have, they're just like doing grocery haul or like, Hey, here we're planning a trip. This is what we're doing. It's not like beautiful graphic side by side, like collab. And I'm like, okay, what am I like? I just have to do it. But it is like a weird hump to get over. It is. And I think when you first start, it's nice to just show you show Mm -hmm. the real you show your real life, show everything real and raw unedited. And then it's like, throw in the cute graphic here and there, throw in the edited video here and there. It doesn't always have to be like, so uncreative, you Mm -hmm. know, like I, to me, I had a hard time letting go of that because I loved the process of working with a photographer and having a mood board and editing and curating, like it's an art and it's Mm -hmm. fun, but that's not relatable. And that's not what people are coming to me for. If they wanted that, they're going to go read Vogue or they're going to follow some other high end blogger that like does that. But that's not me. So when I started realizing my audience likes to see just real life talk, real life, everything, no editing, not a ton of filtering, not curated by any means, then I started growing. So mm-hmm. why would I not stick to that? You know, like, right. it's actually easier. Yeah. I don't have to try as hard I know. myself and like, cool, you're interested. Right. I like the, the easier, but also like really what works is when you're authentic. Like yeah. if you all of a sudden just started talking so like polished and put together and like, my life's perfect. What are you talking right. about? Then people are like, that's literally bullshit. Like we're not going to follow you anymore. It's bullshit. And it's just not relatable and it's no. exhausting and it's boring. Yeah. It's boring. I, I don't like that. I like seeing people talking to each other. I like hearing your voice. I like to hear if you have a personality, if you're funny, if you're not like, do you have an accent? Right. What's your house look like? Do you have a kid? Do you have a dog? Like mm-hmm. I like to see like how people live and what mm-hmm. they do. If I'm just seeing like perfectly polished things, not interested. No, at not all. at all. Well, people were requesting, this is probably the most requested question, your oh. skincare and beauty oh my routine. <laughs> so we definitely need to walk through that. Okay. Say, so, so do you have a nightly and morning skin routine? Um, kind of. Yes. So for morning, I am a big believer. I don't do soap in the morning because I tend to have drier skin. I used to not, I used to have like combination skin, but now I'm dry. So basically Um, I rinse my face with water in the morning. I pat it dry, like lightly kind of let it air dry most of the way. And then I'll do a serum and I bounce around because I love serums and I love oils. Mm -hmm. So whether I'm going to do like an antioxidant or a retinol, I don't do retinol in the morning. Sorry. I take that back. No retinol retinol in the morning. That's dangerous. But whether I do an antioxidant or a vitamin C or anything like that, I'll do a serum. Then I'll do a really light moisturizer. And then usually like I spray, uh, like a refreshing mist mm-hmm. of some sort, kind of like, I call it like seal the deal. Yes. And then that's like it for the morning. I keep it really clean, straightforward for nighttime. I have like 45 steps <laughs> nighttime. I have to take off my makeup. So first I do, um, this bioderma, it's like my cellar water from France. And I like melt off my eyebrows and my eyelash, like mascara stuff. And then I take a cleansing balm and there's a couple I love. One is Elemis, one is Ven, and they're both like this really thick, luxe feeling like butter for your face, basically. Yeah. So you like rub it on your dry skin, you melt off all your makeup, and then you rinse it. It cleanses your skin as well as like takes off your makeup, but then it leaves your skin really hydrated. So again, I have drier skin, so I like to have like all that extra hydration. Then I'll do some sort of um, serum or oil. So like Vintner's Daughter is a favorite. I love um, Herbivore. They make amazing face oils. Um, Skinceuticals makes a great one. 
Um, if you were to use a retinol, which I only use retinols like every now and then, usually in the fall because summer I'm in the sun a lot and mm. you shouldn't use it in the sun. So I'll do like a face oil or a serum and then I do like a really nice heavy night cream, like a thick rich one. Um, and then I do an eye cream underneath and I go all the way around my eye, like underneath your eye, on your eyelid. And oh, wow. then I had a facialist once tell me, um, to put your eye, I mean your eye cream yeah, over your like top lip. Oh wow. Cause it's like thin skin, just like underneath your eye. So, That's so smart. Like I just like a lot of moisture and hydration. So then throughout the day though, like I use mists and I do use all these sprays because I feel like it just really keeps you looking dewy and fresh and mm-hmm. just like, I love, I love to stay like hydrated. Yeah. I feel like hydration is key to like not cracking, no wrinkles as we're in your tan. Like hydration is everything. Yeah. So. And I'm with her, you guys directly in front of her and her skin is definitely dewy and glowing. <laughs> so definitely follow this routine. What about uh, outside of like skincare? What are some of your favorite beauty brands? Um, beauty brands like for makeup or for yeah, makeup. Oh, makeup. Okay. So I love, I'm really into like natural looking makeup. So a lot of complaints I get actually is that <laughs> a lot of my makeup routines look the same. And it's just because I don't like to be super done. I don't feel comfortable wearing a lot of heavy makeup. So for me, like even if I switch up like the bronzer a little bit, to me, it's a big deal. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, I look so different. (laughs) So I love um, Lawless Beauty. It's a clean makeup brand. Uh, It's actually one of my girlfriends. And I'm not saying that because she's my friend. I truly love the product. Um, Kosas Cosmetics. I'm actually using their tinted oil right now. I just tried Mm -hmm. it out for the first time. But they make amazing products for the lips. Um, what else do I like? I love Too Faced. They have the best eyeshadow palettes. They're like super pigmented and they stick really well. Um, what else do I like? I love NARS lipsticks. Um, Benefit for brows. I have like a brand for each category yeah, like, that I like. I feel like every brand too has somehow become something for a specific part of your face. Like yeah. Anastasia became yeah like the brow pencil and then it was like nars blush and bronzer for a long time exactly. like i feel like that's what I, I like if you look at my makeup bag i have like 40 different brands yeah exactly i have so my makeup drawers are ridiculous but it's like i have i go to specific brands for specific parts of my face and i feel like as long as it's like lightweight and it's gonna make me glow and look dewy and i'm not really a big matte person when it comes to makeup i'm willing to try so there's like brands like um uh lila b it's a newer one that I've been trying out. RMS Beauty, like beautiful, like dewy, like um, I don't even know what you call them, like bombs. Mm. So good. So. I mean, I need all these things because your skin is perfect. Thank you. What about your? Do you have a morning or evening routine that you follow? Whether that's like eating a certain thing or a smoothie or a workout. Like, do you have any specific routines? So I don't do like very strict morning or night routines. I'm kind of do like loosely, um, the morning I've been doing this. Um, I do, after I do my skincare routine, I make a a shake in the morning and it's basically a combination of like all these different people's suggestions for the morning shake you should have on an empty stomach. So it's like coconut water, spinach, mango, um, uh, spirulina, hemp seed, dates, banana. And I just drink that on an empty stomach with Paul Capri likes it too. Mm. And then a couple hours later, I'll have some eggs and I'll have my coffee. And throughout the day, I chug a ton of water. And then at nighttime after dinner, it's like we'll do a little dessert before bed. And that's terrible because I think you're not supposed to eat like while you're like in those hours of the day. But like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So we like to have a glass of wine and some chocolate at night. And then at night, I do my skincare routine. I spritz the bed with like my sleep mist. Oh, I love sleep um, mist. It's like lavender infused yumminess. Same. Love it. I always love to have a candle going. I feel like it just 
all those things like trigger sleepy time. So mm-hmm. like the lavender, this the candle, the dim lights, like everything is very comfortable at night. We have the AC blasting, so we're nice and cool. I love a robe. Um, I have my silk eye mask, my silk pillowcase. Love it. So I'm very like serious about going to bed. Mm. <laughs> my sleep has to be like perfect. No, it's so true. I'm more. I guess I'd say I have like a better nighttime routine than I do morning routine. I need to step up my sleep game. I've had, I just yeah. looked at my like Apple health sleep thing and I've been averaging like four hours a night <gasps> and I'm like, what is going on? No, it's just cause I no, wake up no. so easily. I'm a very light sleeper. Oh. So if like, like I'm staying at my friend's house and the dog slightly moved and I was up for like two hours oh, and I'm no. like, I need to figure out something, whether it's a pill or something because try white noise, <laughs> but I was like, I know I need something because this sounds amazing, but I'm like, yeah, I need to figure out this four yeah. hours a night thing. Cause it's definitely not youthful. No, it's, it's honestly, I'm not productive if I don't have at least eight hours of sleep. So right. Paul and I are both serious about sleep and we've made a really nice sleep routine for Capri. Mm-hmm. So she has her lavender diffuser and she has her white noise machine oh. and she's in her sleep sock and she's got these comfortable, like, like bump bumpers in her crib. Oh so she's like in this little cocoon oh. and it's nice and cold in her I room. I want to be Capri. Yeah, same. <laughs> she sleeps so well. She loves sleep. Like you put her in her crib and she's laughing and happy and she oh. loves it. And it's like, yeah, I would too. If yeah. I was like wrapped up in this cocoon and like had the AC going and my sounds and the smells like. She sleeps like a baby. She sleeps like a baby, just like she should. <laughs> yeah. What about if you were stranded on an island? What is one beauty product that you would bring? Chapstick. Chapstick. I have a chapstick addiction. It's sick. An actual, like the chapstick brand? No, or no, no. So that's actually really bad for you. Yeah, I was going to say, because I was like, I'm shocked. So which one no. do you use? So I have a, a like three on rotation. I have um, Dr. Bronner's peppermint one that is like, it's just all natural. It's super like good for like everyday use. And then I do an Avene. It's like a lip cream, mm-hmm. which is super thick and rich. So I do that one at night. And then I always have like one that I'm alternating with. So right now I'm using a Dr. Dennis Gross like lip cushion, collagen cushion, and mm. it's like a treatment. So I always have a treatment. I have an everyday. And I have like a thick one. So I need some of those because I got this tip from my sister who got her lips done from the aesthetic nurse nipple cream because it's the same oh, yeah. exact like material or like texture yeah, yeah. almost so i've been using i literally go to the like mom section of target <laughs> and get this cream and i'm like i'm not breastfeeding i just want to like keep my lips yeah, hydrated so yeah. are there any like weird hacks like that that you do well you said yeah. one of the eye cream on the top lip i uh, yeah i cream on the top lip and like nipple cream is good i have one by hatch mama it's like nipple and lip balm oh wow and i used it when i was breastfeeding and then i saw it in my drawer the other day the side table and i ran out of my chapstick and i was like this is weird but like it says you can use it so mm-hmm. i did and it was actually so nice it was like goopy and thick yeah. Yeah. I went to sleep with like these like really like sticky lips, but then I woke up and my lips felt really, really fresh. So I, I love think it. nipple cream is a great tip actually. Yeah. That's a hot tip. Everyone go to the women, the mom section yeah. and find that. <laughs> what about um, your fitness routine? Cause you just had a baby 10 months ago and it literally looks like you didn't even have oh, a child. Thank you. Like what did you do to get back to post pre baby body? I think that um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I exercise until the very end. So I never stopped working out and I did not use pregnancy as an excuse to eat for two because they tell you not to do that. You're mm-hmm. technically like not eating for two. So I never was like, Oh, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a, yeah, a whole th- slice of uh, a whole pizza pie. Yeah. No, didn't do that. Plus I don't like to eat like that. Like I typically like to eat pretty healthy. So I kept my diet the same. I actually made a few adjustments. Um, my nutritionist kind of advised me in like a direction to take when I was pregnant. So I tried to eat even better for the baby. 
rather than like using it as an excuse to eat shitty. Right. And so between exercise and eating well, I didn't really gain a lot of weight. I gained 23 pounds total. Oh, wow. So then when I had her, I think when I left the hospital, they said I like already like shed 15 pounds. So I really only had a little bit to go. Oh, that's amazing. And it was like breastfeeding made it disappear, which was great. And then by the time I hit the six week mark and I was cleared to work out, we went right back into it, kept my diet healthy the whole time. And I just lost it. I feel like you just got to stick to like your normal healthy lifestyle. Yeah. You can't like indulge overindulge because you're pregnant. I think that's like a really bad bad choice. Yeah. I was scared of that. I'm like my, I swear I'm addicted to sugar. Cause my mom said when she was pregnant with me, she would eat 12 Krispy Kreme donuts in oh, like one wow. sitting. Oh my God. And she's like, I think your blood was just like half sugar, half blood <laughs> because I have the biggest sweet tooth. But now I'm like, when I get pregnant, if I let myself do that, I will yeah. be someone that balloons to like 200 extra pounds. And I do not yeah, want that. To happen. Yeah. And like, I just didn't want to have to deal with that. Like later, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I knew in my mind I was going to be happy if I like you know, stayed healthy and stayed like exercising and active because I did not want to have to deal with it later on. Yeah. It's like, do you really want to not even go back to where we were square one, but like negative 10 squares? Yes. No. Don't want to deal with that. It's just, it's as is working out as a chore. Like who wants to go do it? So I was like, I don't need to do it more and like have a reason to actually desperately need to do it. You know, like I really wanted it to just be to maintain my overall health and keep my weight consistent. And it was thankfully like the best thing I could have done. Amazing. And I had the energy to do it. A lot of people when they're pregnant are so sick that they can't. So I feel for those people, but thankfully like I was fine. That's good. But what about now you can drink. So what is your fave summer drink? I love rosé. I love an Aperol spritz and a spicy margarita. It's like three different on rotation. Depends on what I'm eating. Okay. And since this podcast is about non-expert opinions, what's your favorite (laughs) piece of advice or opinion that you've learned from someone? My favorite piece of advice I've learned from someone? Or opinion. Mm, God, that's a hard one. Um... I know we were talking about this yesterday and the girl I interviewed was like pretty much anything my mom has said. I was like, you know what? You're right. All the things my mom says to me, I'm like, where did you learn that or read that? And she's like, I don't know. It just came to me. It's like, she has this like flash of amazing advice and then it goes away. Cause then the next week I'll be like, what did you say last week? And she's like, I literally don't remember. Like, I don't know. Just wise things all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Mine is like right now I've said this on like four podcasts. People are going to be like, can you stop saying that? But it's you can be like the juiciest peach on the peach tree, but not everyone likes peaches. Mm. So going back to your point earlier of like, Can't please you cannot please everyone just because that would be so weird if you could. Yeah. Like it's a weird concept. Yeah. To, like two separate personalities are both not going to like you. Like it's just the weirdest thing to right. be a people pleaser. Well, I would say, um, so actually this is from Paul. So mm. Paul always says this to me and it kind of applies to so many different parts of our lives. Basically he's always like, you do you and do the right thing. And if everyone else wants to do the wrong thing, that's on them. But you always do the right thing. So sometimes when I'm in a situation where I want to lash back or respond to something that really I shouldn't, he's like, let them be the bad guy. You don't need to participate in that. So I love that. You just do you, do the right thing. And like, if anyone else chooses to do the wrong thing, that's on them. At least you know you can sleep at night because you've done the right thing. That's so. a great piece of advice. Yeah. So we just went through 10 lines. You are coming out with another product. What's next for you? It seems like you have a lot going on. Are you just like, let me take a break? I've got a lot going on. We're currently in um, the designing phases of the second round for swim. Um, I'm doing another nail polish collaboration coming out in September. 
So Amazing. I'm very excited for that. That one is so fun. I've been working on it all summer long, so I cannot wait. Um, but Swim will be out before the end of the year, the second drop. And then my other product I'm so excited about. We started working on this before I was even pregnant. So oh my gosh. It's been a long time in the making, and I just I'm so excited and so antsy. I can't wait to see. I know. Super exciting. But for the most part, that's that's all I've got for you. <laughs> no, all, I mean, that's already a lot. I'm like, yeah. uh, if I had a baby, I would be like, I'm not doing anything for five years. So yeah, I know. Don't talk yeah. to me. Yeah. I was really concerned that when she got here, I was going to be like, well, I'm done. Yeah. Like but, my life's over, but yeah. it's not. So where can everyone find you? Where can we shop all these products that are coming out? Where can we follow you? Give us the, the spiel. So the day to day, you could definitely find me on Instagram at Sivan Ayla. Um, my stories is the best way to view like a look into my real life every single day, what I'm doing. I take you along for the most part on everything I do. Nothing is off limits in my life. Um, my blog is www.sivanayla.com. And that is where you'll find all of my articles about everything I talk about in, in depth and detail. I love to give lengthy, lengthy articles. Um, my YouTube channel has more tutorials and everything is just my name. So it's really easy to find. And then shoptanlines.com is where I'm selling my bathing suits and potentially more products by the end of the year. So Yay. just stay tuned for that. Oh my gosh. We're so yeah. excited. Everyone go follow her. Her swimsuits are so cute. I'm like, I wish I had a baby to do a mommy and me <laughs> matching moment, but I'll you wait to have a boyfriend. <laughs> I'll wait. And last question is Capri going to be a micro influencer? Oh, and my eyes, she's already like the biggest influencer. <laughs> I know <laughs> she's the cutest. She influences everything, but, um, for me at least. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm like, I'm weirdly like, okay with her being one. Mm -hmm. So is Paul. I don't know, but he's a stage mom. So mm -hmm. I'm not surprised. He's like, he's like, let's sign her up for toddlers and tears. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. She's, she's like a really great independent baby, but it's hard to do kid photography. Like mm -hmm. we get like two seconds of happy before she's over it and she's yeah. running out the door. So so we'll see. We'll yeah. keep an eye out for Capri's YouTube channel. Yeah. At take me to Capri. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Sivan. I'm so excited to see these of new products. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, I can see why everyone is obsessed with Sivan and I'm officially obsessed as well. Make sure you guys go find Shop Tan Lines. Go follow her at Sivan Ayla. Keep up with her baby Capri. Her birthday's coming up. Happy birthday, Capri. And make sure you follow me at Chelsea Rife. Or you can write into the podcast, hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com and stay tuned every Thursday for new episodes. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.